So today I am going to deal with some of the promises and the provisions that God has given us. Um, these things are not promises that we have to fight for or prove ourselves to get them or beg or plead God to give them to us. I want to deal with three elements that we are often so void of in our lives. We struggle when we don't have these things. We live in fear and are unsettled when we do not have them. So we're going to look at the promises of comfort, rest, and peace. Three things that could completely transform our lives and situations if we just believe that they were right there for us. I hope this lesson changes your life and that you will choose to never look at things the same way again. I don't want you just to hear these words and then put them in your pocket and say, I'll pull them out when I need them. I want them to become literal truths for you. I want you to be transformed in your seat. And I pray that as I speak, your heart is actually being transformed into who God needs you to be. Transformed into a heart full of faith. And that it becomes impossible for you to carry the same thoughts, behaviors, and attitudes you had before this message. So we're going to start with comfort. But I'm going to kind of go in between some of them because they're kind of very interrelated. I'm going to start with the Psalms and deal with some of the truths that David spoke. And I think the thing that is so profound about David is that he was always honest and he was always vulnerable. You know, he never pretended with God in a way that sometimes we begin to pretend. But he never pretended. He was always just out there. No matter how bad it sounded, no matter how maybe off kilter he said it, he just said it. And the amazing thing that when you go and look at the Psalms, you can see his rantings. But there's always this transition period where he remembers who his God is. And he remembers that, wait, I'm with that one. And you see the passage in changes. And it's like something that we can really emulate in our walk Instead of being so afraid of giving our everything to God and wherever we're at, he's going to remind you of who he is. He's going to bring that back to you because he said he would remind us of all things. So the comf to comfort, it means to soothe, to reassure or console. Comfort, console, relieve, soothe imply easing sorrow, worry, discomfort, or pain. To comfort is to lessen the sadness or sorrow of someone and to strengthen by inspiring with hope and restoring a cheerful outlook. To console, it's a more formal word, but it means to make grief or distress seem lighter by means of kindness and thoughtful attention. Relieve means to lighten, lessen, or remove pain, trouble, discomfort, or hardship. And soothe means to pacify or to calm. 
So when we hear in the scripture that God is going to provide us with comfort, I want you to think of this expanded definition of comfort because it's very all-encompassing of what he's actually offering us. Um, if we look at Psalms 119, 49 and 50, and it says, remember the word you gave me. Through it, you gave me hope. This is my comfort in my misery. Your promise gave me a new life. And it is a sad thing when the scriptures no longer provide comfort for us. When we can just read past them and we have memorized so many of them and they've become almost a thing that we can just grab and pick up, but there's no comfort in them anymore. Like that doesn't ease any of my pain. That doesn't take away any of my distress. They are just mere words that I'm reading, but they are not alive. That's a scary thing when we enter into that place. And it's actually easy to enter into because you get used to this thing and it becomes a habit for you and you don't really think about it anymore. So no longer does it give you what God died for it to give you. So what I'm going to do today is try to help us remember the words that God has given us so that we may be comforted in our misery because we need them to live this new life. We really can't do this without God. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, it says, What a wonderful God we have. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, Needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them this same help and comfort God has given us. You can be sure that the more we undergo suffering for Christ, the more he will show us with his comfort and encouragement. Now, these verses show us that we need to share our suffering with each other so that we can all see that we are undergoing some of the same things. Our testimonies, then God turns into something that we extend comfort to each other. But what do we do? We keep our stuff to ourselves. We don't share it. We're embarrassed by it. We're ashamed of it. So we carry it all to ourselves. Therefore, you don't get comfort because God set this up to be kind of circular. God provides it, he gives it to you so that you can then give it to her. And then it's supposed to go around. But we're not feeling the comfort of God because we're not touching each other. You know, we can't really get away from that in the body of Christ. No matter how much we want to be by ourselves, he's not going to allow it to happen. We need to break the idea of suffering in isolation. Just me and Jesus. Not kind of how he set it up. God never intended for us to be alone. He always intended for us to be connected to each other. And he always intended to use us to make each other better and to see the face of God. 
Hebrews 12 and 12. It says, so take a new grip with your tired hands. Stand firm on your shaky legs and mark out a straight, smooth path for your feet so that those who follow you, though weak and lame, will not fall and hurt themselves, but become strong. Someone is always watching you. Someone is always going to be walking behind you. What kind of road are you paving for them? Have you left a bunch of debris for them to fall over and trip over? Or are you paving a way that is smooth so that those that come behind you can say, ah, that's how you do it. Oh, I watch them. I remember their testimony. And that's one thing that we lack, that we need to go back and get some of those old testimonies. We need to talk to some of the old people and how they overcame. Because we missed some stuff. They laid out a path for us. And we like, oh, that's some stuff. But they shared their life. And we're missing things because we're not on that same smooth path. Someone's behind us. We got generations that keep coming up behind us. What are we paving for them? How are we showing them who God is and how to overcome and how to trumpet? We're not doing a good job sometimes. We have to stop being hoarders of our stories. But we have to start telling our stories. There is power in the telling. There is release and the giving it away. And why do we have such a comfort in us? And this is what Jesus said in John 15 and 26. He says, but I will send you the comforter of the Holy Spirit, the source of all truth. He will come to you from the Father and will tell you all about me. What is your Holy Ghost informing you about Jesus? Not just what you've read, but what conversations have you and the spirit had that's telling you about the truth of who Jesus is? You need to be having some talks. He's in you for a reason. Let him come alive and stop holding him to a little box. He would like to break free. John 16, 13. It says, when the Holy Spirit, who is truth, comes, he shall guide you into all truth. For he will not be presenting his own ideas, but will be passing on to you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He shall praise me and bring me greater honor by showing you my glory. If he is the spirit of truth, why don't we know truth? Why do we fumble so much? If he, I'm going to give you all of this. I'm going to tell you all things. Why are we so kind of ignorant on how to live our lives? Why are we in such search always for where to go and what to do? At some point in time, we haven't tapped into the spirit. Because he's eager to tell us. He wants to share what he's heard. He's like, let me tell y'all, they up there doing some stuff. And because y'all won't listen to me, I can't even give you what you need to hear. 
We've got to break out of the mode of thinking the spirit is just for us to sit there and speak in tongues. It's far more vast than that. He wants to guide you and lead you and fill you on on what the father is doing. He's not even talking about himself. I'm just going to tell you what they're talking about. Don't you want to tap into that? Don't you want to know those deeper truths of maybe why your life looks the way it looks? He's got something he wants to tell you, but are you willing to listen? And if he tells you something you don't want to hear, are you going to cast it aside because it doesn't fit your idea of you? What if he pushes you beyond what you think you are? What if he makes you go into worlds that you never wanted to travel? And I think what happens is we have stuff that comes in our lives, but that stuff is pushing us in different directions. Had that stuff never came, you would not be who you are. You would not be traveling the roads that you were traveling. Don't be so angry about what has happened. It is there to teach you something. And it's not about, is this fair? Heck, a lot of stuff's not fair. What happened to Christ wasn't fair. Why you think your life's supposed to be so fair? And you get to be mad at God because it don't look the way you want it to look. Do you want to know the truth? When we are not connected to the Holy Spirit, we are not connected to truth. We must check ourselves to stay in tune with the Spirit. When we get out of tune with the Spirit, we lose our connection to comfort. Why do I feel so uneasy? Why am I in distress? Why do I have anxiety? Because I'm not in connection with the spirit because the spirit is the comforter. There is no reason for us not to be comforted. Will you have periods of time when you feel, oh my goodness, absolutely. But that's when you connect again. That's when you say, oh, I, I missed the spirit. Let me get back to you. I stepped out of it. I lost my path, Lord, okay, center me again. We're not supposed to walk around in distress. So when you're feeling anguish and pain and grief and troubled, then it is a signal simply that we need to get back in the spirit so that we can be comforted again. In the spirit, I'm sorry, and the spirit is going to lead you to whatever truth you need to ease your pain. It's very personalized. It's just for you. And we sometimes are trying to emulate too many people. We're trying to say, oh, that's how, that's how I should be, or that's how they handle it. No, he's got a special word just for you. He's got a direction just for you. Are you going to get on your path, or are you going to keep walking everybody else's? Because it's a little crowded. It was really a single lane, not a double lane. Get out. Find your lane. So if we move on to rest, rest is sometimes equal to trust and reliance. Psalms 37 and 7. It says, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't be envious of evil men who prosper. Now that's a sermon all by itself. Rest in the Lord, 
trust and rely on him, wait for him to act. And don't be envious of the people that are going around while you sitting still. Just take that in. Just meditate on that every week. I mean, good Lord, that comes up almost daily. Trust that God is going to work everything out. Why don't we believe that? It's so hard to grasp sometimes because he takes his time. He don't act the way we want him to act. So we think it's okay for us to get impatient and act and help the Jesus along on the journey. And then Jesus says, who offers the greatest rest for the soul in Matthew 11 and 28. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. All of you who work so hard beneath a heavy yoke, wear my yoke for it fits perfectly. And let me teach you, for I am gentle and humble, and you shall find rest for your souls, for I give you only light burdens. If we want to do some correlation here to the service of the one God, you see that the spirit is there to teach you truth. And then Jesus says, come so I can give you truth. Just a little interconnected thing of, you know, this is why we love the oneness so much, because everything is always going to point back to the one God. It's a beautiful thing. When your burdens are heavy, it is because you fail to go to Jesus. He said he only gives light burdens. Why are we so burdened? Because we don't go to him. It's really just that simple. How do I get to you, Jesus? How am I going to get to you and lay this burden on you? Because for some reason, it's not getting off my back. And I think I prayed. And I know I've cried. And I know I've begged for you to intercede. But the burden is heavy. Like I'm weighed down heavy. But he said, just Come to me. We've got to find a way to stay forever in his presence. We keep leaving him. We walk away from him far too quickly. And it becomes almost a pattern for us. I only want you, Jesus, when I need you to do something for me. I don't want to just stay with you. You're not that great to just hang with. I like you. Yeah, because I know you can work it out. I know that if I really lay myself on you, you're going to take care of me. But I don't want to stay with you. I just kind of want to use you. Can you imagine what that hurt feels like for him? Because he has so much he wants to give us. Is so much I want to impart to you, but for you to get all of it, we have to stop disconnecting the way we keep disconnecting. We got to stop breaking up and making up. It's becoming a little tired for me. And I'm trying to figure out, speaking for Jesus, if I shall, 
Why you keep wanting to leave me? Have I not told you all that I want to give you? Why do you keep wanting to leave me? What is everyone else offering you that is so great that you want to leave me? When I said I'm going to give you comfort, every pain you feel, every distress you have, I just want to cover you. And then I want to take every heaviness you have and just give you my lightness. Why don't you want that? What is wrong with us? It's a little mind-boggling. Because really, I can't figure it out myself. Why do we keep going through this back and forth? Because we haven't let Jesus teach us. We've had teachings from men. We've had readings of the scriptures. But we keep not letting Jesus teach us. Just sitting with him. Just staying in that connected presence with him. Because we keep thinking we got to go run after it. I got to create a stage. I got to create a platform. I've got to come Heavenly Father. I've got to bend my knees. I got, I got to do all this stuff to get to him, not realize he's always there. Hands stretched out, wanting to connect. And y'all keep saying, forget you, Jesus. Don't want you. Because he says, I'm gentle and humble. Like when you keep feeling this rough Jesus, that's not the Jesus of the scriptures. Because he says, I'm gentle. And, and he's got the nerve to be humble. He's simply begging us to come to him. I'm not, I'm not going to fight with you. I'm just, I'm, I'm just sitting here waiting. I know who I am. I know how great I am. But I'm going to humbly wait for you who need me to come. So there are four ways that God offers us rest. One through comfort. He then gives us rest from weariness. He gives us relaxation. And then he's going to give us rest from all work. Isn't that a trip that we are so in need to relax? But we won't go to him to relax. Because we don't think we can relax in Jesus. We think we got to be uptight with him. I got to come in. I got to figure out how you want me to look and act and say and speak and do. And he's like, relax. Just, just come lay on the beach with me. Let us just have a conversation. Grab a cup of coffee and a couple of biscuits, and let's just do this together. That's what he's saying. He didn't want all this formality. He didn't want all this stuff that's in between us and God. And you got to ask yourself, what is between you and God? And why do you have so many stuff between you two? You need to cut all that stuff out. Literally burn it. Because those things that are in between us are the things that we begin to worship. And it blocks our view of God. 
So now I'm worshiping the building. Now I'm worshiping even how I formulate a prayer. I'm worshiping what kind of song can I construct? What kind of dress do I need to wear? What kind of language do I need? All that becomes an idol before you instead of you authentically coming before God as he created you and saying, this is me, God. You created this. You do your work with this. Because that's what he does to us. He's just coming bare. This is me, y'all. This is what I got for you. You can choose me or not, but this is all I got. He must feel like, why aren't I enough? Y'all want more and more of me. Like everything I've laid out, everything I tell you, is really not enough for us. But like, Jesus, but could you add a couple of more? Can you add one more blessing? Can, I need just a just a tidbit more. You got to get a little higher than what you are. Because you're not enough. Because if he was enough, we would stay in a state of comfort and rest. And if the moment we stepped out of it, we would run right back to it. If we thought he was enough. So Hebrews 3. Because we know that with a promise, we also have a warning. And we can look at the children of Israel for this warning. So remember earlier we spoke about paving a smooth way for others to follow. If we really paid attention to what they went through, and we can talk about it. We probably could give a good sermon, write a couple of papers on the children of Israel. But why haven't we walked that path that they smoothed? They went through a whole lot of stuff that we could learn from so that we don't keep making the same mistakes they made. The stuff is not sitting with us. It's just knowledge. So look at what they say. Hebrews 3 and 15. It says, but now is the time. Never forget the warning. Today, if you hear God's voice speaking to you, do not harden your hearts against him as the people of Israel did when they rebelled against him in the desert. We attribute too many scriptures to other people. We have formulated because we have chosen God and God baptized and speaking in tongues and doing the holy life and all that good stuff that we say, right? We're like, oh, we're not this. My heart's not hardened to God. I'm, I'm with Jesus. I come to church. I pray. I, I believe him. I love him. I, I, my heart is not hardened to God. As we read this, I want you to see, is your heart hard to God? He says, and who were those people I speak of who heard God's voice speaking to them, but then rebelled against him? They were the ones who came out of Egypt with Moses, their leader. And who was it who made God angry for all those 40 years? These same people who sinned and as a result died in the wilderness. And to whom was God speaking when he swore with an oath that they could never go into the land he had promised his people? He was speaking to all those who disobeyed him. 
And why couldn't they go in? Because they didn't trust him. How much trust do you have in God? In what he said, in what he promised, do you trust God? Because they didn't trust him is why they didn't get in. See, we have made up a whole a lot of reasons why people not getting in. And we can check it off and say, I don't do this and I don't do that. But there's not one saint that has not fallen into not trusting God. We have all had periods where we did not trust God. And if he would have come back then, that would have been ground for us not making it in because you didn't trust him. Stop patting your back, yourself on the back about all the stuff you don't do. But do you trust him? Although God's promise still stands, his promise that all may enter his place of rest, we ought to tremble with fear because some of you may be on the verge of failing to get there after all. For this wonderful news, the message that God wants to save us has been given to us as it was to those who lived in the time of Moses. But it didn't do them any good because they didn't believe it. They didn't mix it with faith. How much stuff have we not mixed with faith? How many times have we given ourselves a pass to say, I'm not there yet. I don't believe it fully yet. He cannot do what I need him to do. For only we who believe God can enter into his place of rest. He has said, I have sworn in my anger that those who don't believe me will never get in. He has sworn. If you don't believe me, you are not getting in. Come church all you want. Pray all you want. Speak all you want. Don't sin all you want. But if you don't believe me, you're not getting in. That's deep. That's frightening. Mm. Even though he has been ready and waiting for them since the beginning. He's sitting there waiting. He want us to come. But we can't get there because we don't believe. They even so come, Lord Jesus. He can't come because too many of us don't believe. Too many of us don't have faith in God, his promises, and all he can do. His kindness stops him from coming. His gentleness stops him from coming. Because as much as we want to be ready, like he's, we on the verge of failing to get in. Hebrews 4 and 11. Let us do our best to go into that place of rest too, 
being careful not to disobey God as the children of Israel did, thus failing to get in. Again, how did they feel God? They did not trust him and they did not believe. John 16 and 9. It says, the world's sin is unbelief in me. Never read that before. You know, we can count up so many sins of the world. But he says, in quick summation, the world sins because they don't believe in me. How easy is it to fall into unbelief? Unbelief is manifested every time we worry, every time we have anxiety, every time we doubt. I think we have become so accustomed to having these things that we fail to realize the sin in it. We can miss the ultimate rest and comfort if we become unbelievers. See, unbelief is so big because every sin is birthed from unbelief. See, we like to look at the branches and the flowers, but we never get to the root. The root is unbelief. So every person that's fighting the sin, no matter what the sin is, you are fighting that sin because you don't believe, simply. So call it what you want. The behavioral sin, the, the, the mental sins, the heart sins, all come from unbelief. And when you stop believing, you stop having faith. And without faith, it's impossible, impossible to please God. Don't give yourself a pass anymore. Stop talking yourself into it being okay. It's not okay. Because we people that believe the rapture could take place at any moment, right? At any moment, we probably don't really believe that either. At any rate, if we believe that, then at any moment, my unbelief could make me miss the whole rest. Is it worth that? I know it's comfort and worry. It's comfort and stress. It's comfort and doubt and toiling back and forth. It's very uncomfortable to give it to God. Take it, Jesus. I'm going to release myself from this and I'm going to go on with it. That's uncomfortable because then you got no control. Then your hand is not in the pot with it. He wants your hand out the pot because you don't know what you're doing. But we think we're so smart and so got so much knowledge. But he says, I'm the one, I'm the truth. I want to teach you what it is, but you keep putting your hand in the doggone pot. Messing up the whole thing. Repent, rebuke it, and run back to Jesus. That has to become almost your anthem. Lord, I'm in worry again. Rebuke that and run back to Jesus. And you may have to do it 10, 20 times a day. At some point in time, you got to get out of the flow of being in worry, in fear, in doubt, in confusion, in despair. Some, at some point in time, if you're going to say you with Jesus, you've got to get out of that roller coaster. Because you're not with him. He's just like almost 
I'm not going to say that. Okay. Um, that wouldn't sound right. I won't say that. Okay. But the thing is, is that we're not running <laughs> to religion. We're not running to church. We're not running to traditions. We're not even running to let me read a bunch of scriptures. We are running to Jesus, the throne of Christ. Do you know how to get there? Or have you lost your way? Because all these other things keep getting in your way that you no longer know the path to Christ. John 5 and 39. He says, you search the scriptures for you believe they give you eternal life. And the scriptures point to me. Yet. You won't come to me so that I can give you this eternal life. We didn't got consumed with being able to quote, break down some scripture, going to the colleges, doing all this other stuff. But you're not going to Jesus. What good is it doing you? You can have a, a boatload of knowledge, but you don't even know how to get to him. Your GPS is broken. You keep stopping in the wrong place. Because he says this is the rest. It's me. Now listen to Jesus' word in John 16 and 33. He says, I have told you all this so that you will have peace of heart and mind. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but cheer up, for I have overcome the world. How many of us lose peace of mind? And how frequently do we lose that peace of mind and heart? Our hearts are troubled. The Old Testament meaning of peace was completeness, soundness, and well-being of the total person. Completeness, soundness, and well-being of the total person. This peace was considered God-given and obtained by following the law. Psalms 119 and 165. It says, those who love your laws have great peace of heart and mind and do not stumble. Do you really love his laws? If you do, then you will have great peace of heart and you won't stumble. Why have we become okay with stumbling? kind of written into the, the transcript. You get to stumble a little bit. You got the scripture that says if you wait upon the Lord, you are sore with the eagles. I'm paraphrasing. And he says you won't stumble. You won't faint. We have fainted. We have stumbled. We have crashed. We have almost burned to smithereens. Why have we made this okay when he says that if you follow these just few things, Coming to me, believing in me, having faith in me, none of this stuff will happen. And somehow we have stopped emphasizing for us to do this more than all the other stuff. So it's easier for me to be in control. It's easier for me to stop sinning, sexing, drinking, clubbing, doing all the other stuff you're doing. It's easy for me to talk about that. It's hard to talk about this. Because I don't want to be challenged like this. 
I don't want you to sit there and tell me I don't believe when I'm thinking I believe. I don't want you to tell me I don't have faith when I'm saying I have faith in God. But he says that if you don't, if you're not in peace, if you're not in rest, if you're not feeling comfort, that means you don't have it. So you can say all you want, but you don't really have it according to him. Stop lying to yourself. How about you just say, you know, Lord, I really don't believe you. And I really am. I don't have that much faith in you. Who wants to say that? Goodness. Again, if we're out of step with peace, then we have to check our love for him. He is the word. Right? So if you're not loving his word, you don't love him. If his word does not provide comfort, you're saying he is not a comforter. You're saying that you are not telling the truth. Again, repent, rebuke, and run back to Jesus. Isaiah 26 and 3. He will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. We love to quote that scripture when we're in a little turmoil, don't we? Whose mind has stayed on Jesus because he trusted him. We just quote it, don't believe it, as if quoting it was going to somehow magically give us something. Hmm. If you have stepped out of peace, it is because you stopped trusting in him and you have turned your thoughts away from him. Repent, rebuke, run back to Jesus. See, it's a lot of stuff in here that we've got to really, we, I don't know why we're not just staying at the altar and, and, and constantly burning stuff on that altar. We, the altar should be lit up. I mean, literally, our, our altar should be lit up. We, our hearts should be so broken as to how we have hurt God. But we come in just as pious, head raised, arms stretched, Saying what we've done, we didn't had the victory all week. We didn't read our Bibles. We just full of we just strong saints. But we ain't got no peace. We don't have no rest, and we far from comforted. How strong are you as a saint when you don't even believe in the one you acting like you're praising? Then you gotta ask yourself, who am I worshiping? am I worshiping? It's not Jesus. What? I'm not? Man, when do you get that revelation? That Jesus, all these years, I don't know who I've been worshiping. Because I'm yet to be transformed. I am still walking this same tired path. It's been 20 years. Who are we fooling? Not him. Ourselves. Each other. And it ain't cute because we all come in with the same MO. We just walk in just as gleeful how blessed and highly favored we are. Too blessed to have any stress. Jesus is a fence. You, you hear what I'm saying? And who are we fooling? And we all playing the game together. Because the thing is, 
Like I said in the beginning about how do you get comfort and why are you going through so you can comfort others? We ain't sharing our stuff with nobody. We all talking about we had a good week. My pillow is still wet from two days. You know what I'm saying? But you done had a good week? You, you good? And then you think because you're going to take a few laps that everything is gone? You want it to work that way. It will never work that way. What is required is belief and faith and trust in God. You can do that sitting still. You don't never have to move, skip, clap, nothing. Jesus, help us. Help us, help us, because we've lost, we lost the way somehow. These words are no longer powerful for us. We think we can create a new method. If you have stepped out of peace, it is because you stopped trusting in him and you have turned your thoughts away from him. Repent, rebuke, and run back to Jesus. It is really offensive for us not to choose to stay in peace. Do we forget what it took for him to assure us peace? Isaiah 53 and 5. But he was wounded and bruised for our sins. That unbelief, he keeps getting wounded and bruised because you keep sinning. He was beaten that we might have peace. So every time you are okay with not being in peace, you're saying, I don't care that you were beat for me. Please, Jesus, I don't care. I want to be stressed. I want to handle this myself. I want to not believe. I don't care about you dying on no cross. Being beat for me, taking all my sins, I don't care. This is how I want to do it. You keep being that forgiving God. You keep throwing grace on me. See, do we sin that grace may abound? God forgive. You are sinning and hoping that grace will cover your unbelief and your lack of faith. You are no different than the hellion that's out there really cutting up. You are the same. Because sin is sin. You missed the mark. He's not happy with you. Hmm. He said he was lashed and we were healed. Already happened. We're already healed. We, every one of us, have strayed away like sheep. We who left God's path to follow our own. Yet God laid on him the guilt and the sins of every one of us. God knew that we weren't going to believe him. Let me just, I, somehow they're going to get to me. Somehow y'all going to get to me. So I'm going to go on and take my son out because I need y'all to get to me. And I'm going to have enough faith in you. Which is insane. I'm going to have enough faith in you that you're going to come to me. Because I'm never going to shut my door. And that when you're ready, because I'm gentle and humble, remember, I'm just going to wait for you when you're ready, I'm going to come. 
So I'm already, I already worked out everything for you. I brought him here. I broke him down. I broke my own heart because I had to walk away from him. Because I needed you. And yet we keep saying, but I'm going to need you to do something else. Because that story no longer works for me. In the New Testament, peace refers to the inner tranquility and poles of the Christian whose trust is in God through Christ. The peace that Jesus spoke of was a combination of hope, trust, and quiet in the mind and soul brought by reconciliation with God. Paul later wrote that such peace and spiritual blessedness was a direct result of faith in Christ. Romans 5, 1 and 2. So now since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, in his promises, we have real peace with him because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So how are we right in God's sight is by faith in his promises. If you do not have faith in his promises, you're not quite right with God. For because of our faith, he has brought us into the place of highest privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has had in mind for us to be. You can't get there without faith. Like, I got to keep saying it because we keep missing it. Like, we can read these scriptures and we think we good. We didn't read all this stuff. And we like, oh, I'm good. I, I, I did the stuff. Remember? So I'm in right standing. I'm going to get that highest privilege. But he said, because of our faith, that's how we get the highest privilege. Sometimes we read too fast and we haven't stopped and looked at what he's actually saying. I cannot become all that God has in mind for me to be if I do not have faith. And we are wondering why my life hasn't taken off. Why haven't I fulfilled what I feel like my purpose is, my calling, what God wants from me? Because you don't have faith. He can't give you that because you don't believe in him. And I love how God is so careful to instruct us. It's not always easy what he tells us to do, but he gives clear guidelines so we can always go back and check ourselves if we're not getting results. Philippians 4. Four through seven. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That's number one. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. That's number two. Unselfish and considerate. Remember that the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Number three. Instead, pray about everything. Number four. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. Number five. If you do this, those five, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. So we're like, oh, I need peace beyond my understanding. 
Right? We on the knees praying, Jesus, give me peace beyond my understanding. Well, he done told you, do these five things, and then you have peace beyond your understanding. Peace beyond your understanding is not magical. There are requirements to get it. So if you want that peace beyond the understanding, do those five things. If not, don't be bugging him and being mad at him because you ain't got it. Because he's not going to change his mind on how to get it. Something else to sit there and meditate on, right? Whew. He says, his peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. So once you do them things, then he's going to give you the peace beyond your understanding. Then we always wonder, how can I shut my mind down? It goes everywhere. Because you need his peace to quiet your heart and your thoughts. And then you'll be at rest if you trust in Jesus Christ. That's a lot of layers, guys. That's a lot of layers that haven't really been laid out. We read it like a little quick thing, but we're like, I don't have to do it. Like, I mean, how many, it's in the scripture so many times, like, don't worry. We're like, oh, that's, I, I get to worry. I don't care about that. I can worry if I want to my life. He said, don't do it. I mean, this is what, this is the simpleness of the trust and the faith and the belief. Because if he says, don't do it, that means that if you do it, you're in sin. If you do it, you're in sin, period. So therefore you can miss everything. Or maybe our hope is that somehow sin gets to get in the kingdom. Somehow he's going that blessed grace, Lord, cover us. Lord, cover us with that grace. I mean, we really need it. Like, he knew what he was doing with that, because he was like, dude, like, I, I really want y'all to get here. Like, I want you to be at rest. I want you to be at peace. I want you to feel comfort. I know y'all not going to do what I ask. So I, I, the grace, um, I guess I have to keep throwing it over you. I mean, you can see why he didn't see. Do you do it? Because you know it's going to abound over you. Are you? Have you become that comfortable with being in sin, holding hands with Satan? Are you that? I mean, you really, we've become kind of comfy. We don't mind the devil pulling up his chair next to us. We don't mind holding his hand as we drive down the street when we're crying and in pain and fear and in worry and disbelief. As you're doing that, you're holding hands with the devil. And he's like, keep going. It's all right. He kicked me out too. I mean, he, he, he really all, ain't all that great, y'all. So the devil's like, yeah, let me give you another thought. Let me entertain you with another thing. Let me keep talking to you because he's subtle. And we think that we're talking to ourselves and we're talking to the devil. Stop the conversation. Repent and rebuke that and cut it off. Because you know the more you think, 
The more conversations you have with yourself, you have spun yourself into a frenzy. And is that God? That's the devil. And he got you with your saved self. Because he don't care about you being saved. He don't care that you got baptized and you get to speak in tongues. He don't care. He was like, I know him too. I know him better than you, actually. We talk all the time. And we talking about you. So what? And we trying to go toe-to-toe with the devil. With our no-faith, unbelieving selves. <laughs> How are we going to stop him? Because, see, I need faith in the scriptures to stop him. I need faith in them. I need to be able to say that at the name of Jesus, you're trembling. You're scared. No, but I don't believe it. I have to have faith and believe that God already took the keys from him, that he has no power. But I don't believe it. It's deep, you guys. And then Jesus seals it with this, John 14. 14 and 25. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Comforter instead of me, and by the Comforter I mean the Holy Spirit, he will teach you much as well as remind you of everything I myself have told you. And this is why we have to stay in step with the Holy Spirit so that it can remind us of everything. We need to remember every word that Jesus spoke. Right? But we can't. So we need the spirit to come and tell me. But you got to be in connection with the spirit. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. In another version, it says, I'm leaving you peace. I'm giving you my peace. I don't give you the kind of peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or cowardly. Now, I find that interesting because he tells us that the world is going to give us a peace. False peace. But he's going to provide us with some kind of peace. So the devil is offering peace. We keep taking the devil peace over to Jesus peace. Because, see, the devil peace keeps you in control. The devil peace don't require much of you. All you got to do is just not believe in Jesus. So he says, here, I'm going to give you that. So that's when you have your periods of calm. When you thought that you was excited and I really applied that scripture. Or I had that come to Jesus meeting. But in two days, you back exactly where you were before. That wasn't Jesus' peace. The peace of the world is fragile. It breaks easily. That's what we do to roller coasters. If you are troubled, afraid, or cowardly, then know you have a counterfeit peace. Go to Jesus, ask him to teach you, 
if you've been operating in false peace because you have unbelief, no faith, and no trust in him. But you got to go honestly. The devil has slipped as a placebo in the church. We have become okay with no trust, no faith, no peace, no rest, no comfort. We have become okay with just searching the scriptures instead of going to Jesus. Do we get that we will not be allowed to enter into the final rest if we don't trust and believe? Do we really want to go to heaven? Or do we just want to miss hell? But I think we just want to miss hell. I only really want to go to heaven to be with Jesus. Because I want Jesus here. Why would I want to be with him for eternity? I mean, if that's the alternative, heaven or hell, then, well, yeah, heaven. We got to check ourselves. What are we really doing? And, and it's, it's not just, okay, I believe Jesus is God. So this is the devil. <sighs> not just the baptism in Jesus' name, speaking in tongues. You got to take your faith deeper than that. You have to believe in the promises and the provisions of God. If you do not believe his word, you do not believe in him. So everything you don't believe in the scriptures, you're saying, I don't believe in you, Jesus. Every scripture that you're like, now that has not been proven. When is that going to happen? That means you don't believe in Jesus because he's the word. You can't separate the two. You can't say, I want Jesus, but I don't want his word. I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe his word. Again, stop giving yourself a pass and giving ourselves these baby steps. We've been doing this for a long time, y'all. Almost everybody in here got at least 10 years on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've been in this. Yes. And we, we really ha haven't been, and I'm saying this slowly, playing. I guess. Maybe we have been playing. Uh, we didn't know we was playing. But we've been in this. I don't know how far we've come. Again, repent, rebuke, run back to Jesus. Because remember, all you got to do is, 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 is rebuke the devil and he's got to go. You ain't got to sit there and have a conversation with him. Resist him, he flees. That's a real scripture. It really actually works if you believe it. If you believe by you saying in Jesus' name goodbye, he has to leave. He does not leave because you don't believe it. So he's like, girl, stop playing. You know you want me here. You know we good friends. Stop all that stuff, trying to rebuke me. So back to peace. What kind of peace did Jesus have? He said, I'm giving you that peace, mine. The one that I lived in. The one that carried me. The one that allowed me to get up on that cross and not say a word. That's the peace that I'm actually giving you. He knew his father had a plan and he trusted and rested in that knowledge. Peace isn't, a, isn't just a feeling, it's a knowing. But it goes beyond our understanding if we actually believe. Stop trying to make it make sense. Stop trying to figure the whole thing out and just believe. See, that's the Eve and Satan dance. We doing the same dance. He talking in our ear. 
We just like Eve. Stop, stop throwing that side eye to Eve. Because we just Eves. Right? We just Eves. He coming in. He telling us stuff. You sure he said that? You sure that's what he meant? I think, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's normal. It's normal for you to be a little scared. It's normal for you to be stressed out. Like, what happened to you was awful. Like, you get to be a little out of sorts with that. Because that was a bad thing that happened. Come on. I mean, that would be crazy. You're, you are human. You get to feel these things. You get to stay there. God is gracious. Take your time. It's a process. Work it out. I mean, can we really trust him? I mean, he's sure offering a lot. Do you know anybody that's walking in that? All the saints you know? Who's at complete peace? Who's fully resting? I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's like real like that. Like, I mean, you know, we should just keep coming to church. Let's have some phone calls at five in the morning and pray. Let's, let's do that. Have a couple of prayer breakfasts. Maybe do a shutting too. We should do that too because all night is good. But ain't nothing changed in you. You're not at peace. You're not resting. So who are you really talking to? We just eat Satan standing at that tree. Keep grabbing that fruit. Keep biting it. Ooh, help us, Jesus. Help us. Forgive us. Hmm. Because would you rather have peace or understanding? Peace is living in the day, not in the future. This is why it's so difficult to hold on to peace because when we get ahead of the day, fear, anxiety, unrest creeps in. And he said, don't take a thought about tomorrow. Don't, don't, don't think about it because the, the evil is sufficient just for this day. Can, can we just get through this day? Don't think about it. But that goes against Everything the world tells us. Prepare, plan. You got to have a program. You got to get it going. Fail to plan, plan to fail. I mean, all that stuff. And we got, we, we like, that's right. So, man, I lost, I lost the job. Dang. What am I going to do next month? Because I actually do have some money in the bank for this month. But what am I going to do next month? Oh, man, my kid didn't act a fool. Oh, Lord, when they 25, 28, 32, what's their life going to be? And they going to ever get it together. I'm going to have to hold on to them forever. I'm really tired of these children. Uh, that husband, that wife, where are we going to go? How am I going to make it? That ain't Jesus. Take no, no thought. Crazy. Take no thought, Jesus. I can't just, can I just plan what I'm going to wear tomorrow? Can I do that? No thought? No peeking. 
be right here with me today. I got something to teach you today. I got something I need to give you today. But you're not here with me. You over there, but I'm here in this day. Because I'm only living in this day. When you go ahead, you're not with Jesus. Because he's staying here. And then he's going to give you that new mercy tomorrow. It ain't new yet. You need to live in this mercy of today. We're going to have a layaway plan with the mercy. You, you, you don't have to keep paying on it and stuff. It's just there. Look, just sit in today. Grab today. Take in today. Live. Today. He, tomorrow's going to take care of itself, as it always does. For the past 40-something years, the day keep coming. Until I no longer here, then that don't matter no more, Lord Jesus. But let me be ready when you do take my breath. I'm going to really believe you and trust in you and have faith in you because I don't know when my time is up. So I think I have time. I think I have space to get it right. I think I have a long rope to figure out, do I want to believe Jesus? Do I want to have faith in you? Do I trust you wholeheartedly? What if you don't have all that time? And then you miss the rest for that? Lord Jesus. Our job is to have faith in God's plan no matter what it looks like. No matter what it looks like. Faith. God. You're going to take care of me. Faith, God, you already worked it out. In your mind, I'm already glorified. In your mind, everything is taken care of. Faith that he got you. No matter what it looks like today, he's got you. And he doesn't have one bad intention for you. Not one bad intention for you. He loves you with everlasting love. He's doing all this just for you. So you and him can be in a dance together for eternity. Stop standing on the wall. He wants you to get in the middle of the floor. Dance with him. He wants you. In an intimate, slow dance so that he can reassure you that he's got you. He's asking you, can you come on the water with me? I'm standing here. I promise I'm not going to let you fall. And we're like, you asking so much for me to trust the God that's keeping the universe flowing who's keeping me breathing and moving and functioning. You want me to dance with you too? We would give our all to a man that offered not a quarter of what God has offered us. I trust my husband. I have faith that he has the best intentions for me. I believe that he would do everything in his power to make my life beautiful. He's a man. 
that will fail, that doesn't know all things, that doesn't have the ability to always catch me, that doesn't have the ability to love me through everything that may come in my life, but I can give my heart to him? I can just lay down and rest with him? But I can't give that to God. We trust our friends more than we trust God. I believe my mama got better intentions for me than God. Gotta check ourselves. So in summation, we have comfort which leads to rest, which leads to peace. The comforter leads us to all truth, which is gonna lead us to Christ. And that's going to lead us to his rest that equals our peace in knowing the risen Savior. Simple formula, but we completely complicate it with unbelief and no faith. Repent, rebuke it, run back to Jesus. Every time you falter and you find yourself out of touch with the comforter, lacking rest and having no peace. Do not sit there in it and act like it's okay. Jesus has it all. It's all in him. You have to go to him if you want something. And can you understand how much God wants to give us this? He wants us to have comfort, rest, and peace. He knew how hard life would be, but he took a beating so that we would have peace. He didn't just want to save you for heaven, but he wanted you to have treasures here on earth. Here, he wants you to live in peace. As chaotic as this world is, he called you out for a purpose. You are supposed to show forth his glory. You are supposed to make the world believe that he is real. How can we do that if we don't have peace and rest and comfort. He wanted you to have confidence of his love for you. He's waiting for us to come home. Come home to his comfort. Come home to his rest. Come home to his peace. Because haven't you been gone long enough? Aren't you tired of sleeping on the streets? Wouldn't you like the comfort of home? We really are like the prodigal son. He's built a house, it's lavish, it's comfortable, it's peaceful. But we out in the pig pen with the devil. Upset and angry and frustrated and scared and in fear. When you gonna come home? He's waiting for you. Right where you left him, he's waiting there for you to come, grab his hand. He's gonna welcome you going to throw you a party. That's how much he wants you. Will you decide to take the walk home? Will you humble yourself before him and say, I've been gone. I ran away. I was missing, and I'm so glad you noticed. Let him dress you with his grace and mercy and peace and rest. Come sit at his table and dine with him. Come sit in his lap and rest your tired head on his chest. And just let him love you.
Let him work it all out. Trust him to work it out. You are tired. He wants you to rest. Give it to Jesus. Let him hold your bags. Release it to him. Give yourself permission to surrender. Believe how much he loves you. The depth of his love is beyond what we can imagine. That's what we have to lay in. Float on the river of his love, trusting that he's never going to let you drown. I have uh, three songs that I want to play you guys because they came to me about three in the morning. Um, (laughs) And I want you just to sit with this and talk to Jesus. Tell him where you are. In lieu of all this, he needs you to reach out to him. So grant him that because he's here waiting for you.